Chapter 11 From the Earth to the Moon This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. From the Earth to the Moon by Jules Verne Chapter 11 Florida and Texas One question remained to be decided. It was necessary to choose a favorable spot for the experiment. According to the advice of the Observatory of Cambridge, the gun must be fired perpendicularly to the plane of the horizon, that is to say, toward the zenith. Now the moon does not traverse the zenith, except in places situated between 0 and 28 degrees of the latitude. It became, then, necessary to determine exactly that spot on the globe where the immense columbiad should be cast. On the 20th of October, at a general meeting of the gun club, Barbican produced a magnificent map of the United States. Gentlemen, said he, in opening the discussion, I presume that we are all agreed that this experiment cannot and ought not to be tried anywhere but within the limits of the soil of the Union. Now, by good fortune, certain frontiers of the United States extend downward as far as the 28th parallel of the north latitude. If you will cast your eye over this map, you will see that we have at our disposal the whole of the southern portion of Texas and Florida. It was finally agreed then that the Columbiad must be cast on the soil of either Texas or Florida. The result, however, of this decision was to create a rivalry entirely without precedent between the different towns of these two states. The 28th parallel, on reaching the American coast, traverses the peninsula of Florida, dividing it into two nearly equal portions. Then, plunging into the Gulf of Mexico, it subtends the arc formed by Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Then skirting Texas, off which it cuts an angle. It continues its course over Mexico, crosses the Sonora, Old California, and loses itself in the Pacific Ocean. It was, therefore, only those portions of Texas and Florida which were situated below this parallel, which came within the prescribed conditions of latitude. Florida, in its southern part, reckons no cities of importance. It is simply studded with forts raised against the roving Indians. One solitary town, Tampa Town, was able to put in a claim in favor of its situation. In Texas, on the contrary, the towns are much more numerous and important. Corpus Christi and the county of Nueces, and all the cities situated on the Rio Bravo, Laredo, Comalites, San Ignacio, the Webb, Rio Grande City of the Star, Edinburgh and Hidalgo, Santa Rita, El Panda, Brownsville and the Cameron formed an imposing league against the pretensions of Florida. So, scarcely was the decision known, when Texas and Floridan deputies arrived at Baltimore in an incredibly short space of time. From that very moment, President Barbican and the influential members of the gun club were besieged day and night by formidable claims. If sudden cities of Greece contended for the honor of having given birth to Homer, here were two entire states threatening to come to blows about the question of a cannon. The rival parties promenaded the streets with arms in their hands, and at every occasion of their meeting a collision was to be apprehended which might have been attended with disastrous results. Happily, the prudence and address of President Barbicane averted the danger. These personal demonstrations found a division in the newspapers of different states. The New York Herald and the Tribune supported Texas, while the Times and the American Review espoused the cause of Floridan deputies. The members of the gun club could not decide to which to give the preference. Texas produced its array of 26 counties. Florida replied that 12 counties were better than 26 in a country only one-sixth part of the size. 
Texas plumbed itself upon its 330,000 natives. Florida, with a far smaller territory, boasts of being much more densely populated with 56,000. The Texas, though the columns of the Herald claim that some regard should be had to a state which grew the best cotton in all America, produced the best green oak for service of the Navy, and contained the finest oil, besides iron mines, in which the yield was 50% of pure metal. To this, the American Review replied that the soil of Florida, although not equally rich, afforded the best conditions for the molding and casting of the Columbiad, consisting as it did of sand and argillaceous earth. That may be all very well, replied the Texans, but you must first get to this country. Now with the communications with Florida are difficult, while the coast of Texas offers the Bay of Galveston, which produces a circumference of 14 leagues and is capable of containing the navies of the entire world. A pretty notion truly, replied the papers of interest of Florida, that of Galveston Bay below the 29th parallel, have we not got the Bay of Espirito Santo opening precisely upon the 28th degree, and by which ships can reach Tampa Town by direct route? A fine bay, half choked with sand. Choke yourselves, returned the others. Thus, the war went on for several days, when Florida endeavored to draw her adversary away from the fresh ground, and one morning the Times hinted that, the enterprise being essentially American, it ought not to be attempted upon other than purely American territory. To these words, Texas retorted, America, are we not so much as you? We're not Texas and Florida both incorporated in the Union in 1845? Undoubtedly, replied the Times, but we have belonged to the Americans ever since 1820. Yes, returned the Tribune, after having been Spaniards or English for 200 years, you were sold to the United States for $5 million. Well, and why we need blush for that? Was not Louisiana bought from Napoleon in 1803 at the price of $16 million? Scandalous, roared the Texas deputies. A wretched little strip of country like Florida to dare to compare itself to Texas, who in place of selling herself asserted her own independence, drove out the Mexicans in March 2, 1846, and declared herself a federal republic after victory gained by Samuel Houston on the banks of San Jacinto over the troops of Santa Ana, a country in fine which voluntarily annexed itself to the United States of America. Yes, it was afraid of the Mexicans, replied Florida. Afraid? From this moment, the state of things became intolerable. A sanguinary encounter seemed daily imminent between the two parties of the streets of Baltimore. It became necessary to keep an eye upon the deputies. President Barbican knew not which way to look. Notes, documents, letters full of menaces showered down upon his house. Which side ought he to take? As regarded the appropriation of soil, the facility of communication, the rapidity of transport, the claims of both states were evenly balanced. As for political prepositions, they had nothing to do with the question. This dead block had existed for some little time, when Barbican resolved to get rid of it all at once. He called a meeting of his colleagues and laid before them a proposition which, it will be seen, was profoundly sagacious. On carefully considering, he said, what is going on now between Florida and Texas, it is clear that the same difficulties will recur with all the towns of the favored state. The rivalry will descend from state to city and so on downward. Now Texas possesses eleven towns within the prescribed conditions, which will further dispute the honor and create us new enemies, while Florida has only one. I go in, therefore, for Florida and Tampa Town. 
This decision, on being made known, utterly crushed the Texan deputies. Seized with an indescribable fury, they addressed the threatening letters to different members of the gun club by name. The magistrates had but one course to take, and they took it. They chartered a special train, forced the Texans into whether they would or not, and then quitted the city with a speed of 30 miles an hour. Quickly, however, as they were dispatched, they found time to hurl one last and bitter sarcasm at their adversaries. Alluding to the extent of Florida, a mere peninsula confined between two seas, they pretended that it would never sustain the shock of the discharge, and that it would bust up at the very first shot. Very well, let it bust up, replied the Floridans, with a brevity of the days of ancient Sparta. End of chapter 11 Recorded in Austin, Texas.